Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Marianne is here with me. She is the author of Be a Free Range Human, which has been translated in many different languages, featured on BBC, Business Insider, The Guardian. And she gave the TEDx talk, The Hidden Power of Not Always Fitting In. How are you, Marianne? I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. And I am so happy to have you here. So I really want to know, what Be a Free Range Human is. Like, I want you to tell me about this book. So the idea of being a free range human is really about, well, it comes from perspective of, it starts with work. So the idea of creating work and life that really fits who you are. So that means it fits your personality. It fits the life that you want. It fits like who you want to be in the world. And that's what the book is really about. It's like, how do you create something on your terms? And usually I focus more on starting your own business, but people read it and end up changing their jobs instead, so which is totally cool with me. Um, it's really about going really getting your inner compass really clear on where's your yes, where's your no, um, how are you really aware of what I call your superpowers, like what are your biggest superpowers in the world and how can you put these things together, what you want and who you are, to create a work and a life that really fits you. Um, so that's really where it comes from. So a lot of people read it when they're frustrated in their jobs or when maybe they're running a business, but it's not going the way they want it to. But I mean, between, between us, Isabel, so what really happens is people tend to read it when there's something's a little bit off in their life. So they come to it because you're allowed to think about your work. That's a responsible thing to think about. But what really happens is there's a lot more life stuff that happens when we start asking Am I happy in my job? Am I happy in my business? That is so true. And I can see that. I mean, I can see that there's so many people that this is going to resonate with. You know, they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is something that I definitely like. I feel it, you know. <laughs> um, what inspired you to write that book? I mean, I mean, honestly, I wrote that book many, many years ago. Um, I've been, I was, I always say I was like one of the original digital nomads before there was a term for digital nomads. So um, I um, left my job, well, like well over 10 years ago. And I started my own business. I started a few different businesses. Um, I had this crazy idea that maybe you could do coaching and do it online, um, which no one was doing. And so I started doing that. I started running groups. I started creating courses again before the industry really existed and it grew. And Free Range Human was actually a little blog that I doesn't really exist now, but a little blog that I started back then. And on the side of what was meant to be my serious business, which was about corporate training and helping people get other jobs, what happened was the blog got a lot of interest. People kept coming to me and saying, how did you quit your job? How did you figure out what you wanted to do? How did you make it work? And so it grew really very, very fast, but organically. Um, so within like by the end of like the first year of it, it was like really taking off. Um, some publishers got onto my email list because I sent and I still send every Friday 
something called the Friday Love Letter to my Free Range Humans readers. Some publishers ended up reading that every week and I started being offered book deals. So that happened then, but I actually rewrote it in 2019, um, completely fresh for like, you know, the world we're in today. Um, and yeah, it just, honestly, it just came out of, I wasn't seeing people talking about your work and creating work that fits work and life that fits you from the perspective of like your personality and who you are. It was always more about what's the idea that you want, like this external thing. And I kept thinking, but that's not why we go into this. We go into this because we want to feel a certain way and have things work. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It's always about how we feel. Yes. Uh, it's, yes. It always comes down to feelings, you know, whatever we value yeah. in terms of feelings, it always comes down to that. Like, I, I mean, yeah. that's been my experience as well. Not, not only my, my personal experience, but also my experience with my clients. Mm. Absolutely. And, and the TEDx talk. No, now, mm. you're the second uh, guest that I have on my podcast who's done a TEDx talk. And I've always been like, I really want to do that. But it's like, for me, it's like super scary. <laughs> it's like, I want to do it, but it's like, oh, my God. Will I have the balls to get up there and talk to people? Um, so how was that experience for you? I mean, honestly, um, so the, I'll go back to the TEDx talk is called um, The Hidden Power of Not Always Fitting In. And if you listen to it, it's not the talk anyone expected me to give. You know, everyone thought, because I've been asked to do TEDx talks a few times. The reason I laughed then was I'd said no several times. Um, I didn't think it was something I wanted to do. Um, but the last time I was asked was actually by a client of mine who knew me really well and who was involved in, in like, organizing it. And she was like, you don't have to talk about being a free range human because I was at the stage where I really need to break from that topic. It was a few years ago and I just needed a break. She's like, what would you talk about if you could talk about anything? And I have this rule in my life or this guideline for myself that if I'm not sure of the answer to something, then I have to say, what is it that I'm afraid will happen? What is it that I'm afraid people will find out about me? And I thought, well, okay, if I go on stage to a TEDx talk, there could be you know, millions of people who watch it, you know, we've had like half a million views already. Um, so what am I afraid that many people will know about me? And I, my answer was, I'm afraid that they will realize that I never fit in, that I just don't fit anywhere. And so I gave a talk about it. Um, and that, that was the talk I gave because I thought, well, if I'm afraid of that, what's going to happen is I'm going to get on stage and I'll talk about another topic. And my fear of being perceived as the one who doesn't fit will permeate and there'll be something wrong with the talk, which is how it happens. The thing we're, you know, we're afraid of, the thing we, we want, the thing is I call your shadow always comes through if you don't say it first. And so I gave the talk. It resonated a lot more than I'd expected. I had, I really didn't know if this was going to resonate. Um, but to be honest, answer your question, um, the experience of the day was the day before. Um, so I get to the event the night before. You have a practice that evening. And I go on stage and I'll be like honest, I will toot my own horn here. I gave a killer talk that night. Everyone in the room, everyone was milling around, just like doing stuff. Everyone stopped and stared. And I was like, I've got it. I've nailed it. The recording that's out in the world, I actually don't like it at all. Um, because what happened in reality, the next day I get on stage and I hadn't realized, this is so ridiculous. I hadn't realized the lights were really bright and suddenly the lights turned on. And I'm, I guess so you, you probably know the term highly sensitive person, HSP. 
And I'm really, yeah, right. I'm really affected by bright lights. And suddenly I was like, how silly. Like, I, of course there were bright lights. It's a TEDx talk. And I, I suddenly froze and the whole talk, I remember giving it, it was just from memory. And so it's, it's, um, what I do, I'd say to someone who wants to do something like that is practice <laughs> and like, remember there'll be bright lights and remember there'll be people, um, but in reality, even though I wasn't happy with it, it's touched a lot of people. So, you know, I think uh, everything works out in the end. Yeah, totally. And I can also totally see why, because I guess, I mean, you said you've never fit in, right? I felt, mm -hmm. I feel the same way as you. Like I, I've never yeah. fit in anywhere. Like uh, maybe in some places, the places that I've created for myself, I fit in. Uh, that's, not, that's my talk. That's literally yeah. my talk. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yes. So the, the places I've created for myself, for example, the place I've created for myself in the childcare community, I totally fit in. Correct. But yeah. it, like in just like the general in general terms and what society has expected from me, uh, you know, just growing up and just being, uh, you know, in this, especially growing up in a society that is so narrow minded and so, uh, you know, family, nuclear family centered and whatnot. Yes. I have felt just like the outcast always. And I felt like a weirdo. And I've always, I remember just being so hard on myself for that, mm -hmm. thinking there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And I think that many people can relate to that because even if it's not like in every single aspect of their lives, um, it's at least in one aspect that they may feel they don't fit in. Right. Yeah. And I talk about the idea of being um, liminal, which is the word that you'll hear throughout my talk. And the idea of liminality is it's about living on the borders um, of about not quite being one thing or another. And I always put that up against the word rebel because I actually don't identify with rebel because to me, being a rebel is reactionary. So it's like you wear black, therefore I wear white. Um, that music is too mainstream and I am categorized as someone who doesn't like mainstream music. That's what being a rebel ends up being, ends up being an identity. Whereas being liminal, often we're very good at passing. So we can pass in a lot of environments. We can look like we fit because we know how to play the game just enough until, you know, it gets too much and we can't. Yeah. And so what's interesting about being liminal is that, and you, you can see this from my talk, is actually it's a very powerful position to be in, but we're often told it's not. And so we don't treat it as such. You know, being liminal means you know, if you're just a total rebel, you can't even get your foot in the doorway to influence something or to connect with people on the thing that's not within your wheelhouse. When you're liminal, you can, which means you can be in an industry where say your personality is like a little bit different from other people's and you can pass. So, you know, you'll be on the right podcast. You'll be like showing up in a certain way, but you'll be doing it with your spin. Right. Does that make sense? So you can actually yeah. go into these different places. And it also means, you know, on a fun sense, it actually means that like your friendship groups and your social groups can be really diverse, which I think is a really cool thing. So I really just wanted to like take this idea and say, there's not a choice between being a conformist or a rebel or a nonconformist. It's there's actually a whole world in the middle, which is where you get to form your own way of life. Um, and that's what I call being liminal, um, which yeah. I think really fits with what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's not, not, nothing in this world is black or white. You know, there's yes. always like a, there's always like a, a lot of shades of gray in the middle and yes. it applies to everything. I mean, it's, it's just, and I think this is the one thing that is very hard for some people to grasp. And it is that it doesn't have to be completely yes or completely no for everything or 
you know, there's so many ways to to look at life and situations and experiences and just kind of like live them in like a different experience them in a different way. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but you are, I mean, obviously (laughs) because of your topic, the first thing I think of is being child-free, you know, there's this sense, I don't know if you've ever got this, but if you don't have children, people like assume that you judge them for having children. Like it's a very black and white view. It's like, if you're not all in, therefore you are against. That's something I've seen a lot. Well, I actually very recently saw uh, one of the biggest accounts on Instagram. I don't remember. It's a podcast as well. I don't remember what the name is, but they were asking all this yes, no questions on their stories. And one of them was, would you rather date somebody who didn't have, what was it? Somebody who had kids already or somebody who didn't want to have kids. And then the answers was date somebody with kids or date somebody who hates kids. And I was so annoyed at that. I was, and I did actually send them a message. They didn't get back to me. I mean, they have like, I don't know how many thousand followers or whatever, but I was (laughs) like, why would you assume that people who don't want kids hate kids? Because that's not the case for everyone. Yes, sure. There are childhood people who really cannot stand children, and yeah, but it's not the case for all of us, you know. There's different, exactly, and there's different reasons. Um, just like you know, there's different, and also every child free person has a different relationship to other people's choices to have kids, right? Yeah. So it's really, in- I see this and going back to like my topic as well. I saw this a lot, you know, I would see what I used to travel the world full time for many years, um, which funnily enough, people assumed that's why I didn't have kids. And I was like, nope, not the reason, <laughs> just <laughs> just a benefit. Um, but I, I traveled the world full time for years. And I remember once someone who was previously also a full time traveler was uh, wrote this Facebook post saying her and her partner had decided to really just settle down and buy a house. And instead of being excited about it, they were basically apologizing to the nomad community for kind of almost giving up on them. And I just thought, I just thought that was absolutely insane. And I just thought about it and I was like, you know, we all came from a world where we'd quit our jobs to have more freedom and live life the way we wanted. And here we are. And they weren't the only ones who'd done that sort of thing, who'd almost apologized for a thing. It's like, oh, so now we go from one box and now we're in another and there's new ladders, there's new rules and new norms. And that to me is that that's black and white thinking. Um, And I think there's very little freedom in that thinking because you can just jump from box to box. I I completely understand. But the, you know what it is that gets me? It's the need to apologize. Like I I understand that human beings, we can change our minds. I mean, life happens. There's so many things that can come along and can change. You've made a choice today. And every time that you check with yourself, yes, it's my choice. It's still my choice. This is how I feel about it. But you never know. Something may happen and then you may change your mind. I'm not only talking about the, the subject of children. I'm talking just in general, right? Yeah. And exactly. there's no need to apologize because it's just human nature. So it kind of like I'm always completely like it blows my mind, you know, <laughs> to see people say, I'm sorry that I changed my mind. Like, why are you so, why are you sorry? Who are you po- apologizing to? Oh my God. I have so much. I used to, at university, I used to be president of the debate club because I'm a total nerd. And so I really enjoyed debating. But the, the thing was, I realized in the end, what I liked was actually adjudicating the debates because halfway through a debate, I'd be like, 
their point is excellent. That's a really good point, but obviously you can't say that. (laughs) And I was like, and I, for years, I thought that was, you know, I debated for many years, like even after university. And I, I thought that was a flaw in a way. I thought that was a weakness, but Actually, something I often say is that your weakness is actually your strength. It's like the shadow side of your strength. And I realized, oh, wow, hold on. The fact that I don't want to hold the line when I am patently wrong or when there's another good point is really important. It means, you know, we have empathy. We can see the other person's perspective. We have flexibility, all these things that society should really reward and actually does reward in a lot of ways, but they don't reward it when it comes to your opinion. Like you can flex on a lot of things and people love that, but when it comes to your opinion, it's like, no, no, like choose your opinion early and stick to it. Um, but that there's a whole other conversation on that. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. This is something that I see happening a lot. Well, in my country specifically for anything that has to do with politics, and I think it happens yes. in all, almost every country as well. It's like you're either on this side or you're on that side. Like you can't mm-hmm. think that maybe the two sides have, you know, points that are positive or whatever. Like you're either with us or yeah. you're against us. And it's just mm-hmm. so polarizing. I think it's just something that, um, I mean, humans, why is it that we have the need to be either or, right? I- I've thought about this for a lot as well. <laughs> I, I have a thesis on this for you, but I, won't, I mean, honestly, like my conclusion, my un, you know, non-expert conclusion really is that it's because we have a need of, to belong. And, you know, by saying I am for this and not changing that, then we're not risking our place in the tribe. I, I just feel like that's where it's come from, which is why I gave my TED talk in a way, like why I gave the exactly this talk I did, because in it, um, you know, as you said before, you feel most at home in communities you've created. Kind of the solution that I put forward is to really put liminality forward as an identity and saying, actually, you're not lost. You're not looking for belonging. You do belong. You're liminal and you will find belonging in what I call creating your own island, which I won't rehash the whole talk, but like there's a a specific thing I talk about called creating your own island. Um, And in that is the idea that you don't have to always be one thing and stay in one solid state and that you're not alone in that. And it's not weird to have that. And I think that idea is what's resonated with a lot of people. Cause they were like, Oh my gosh, I thought that I was looking for the thing, but what I was looking for was acceptance. What I was looking for was belonging. And we spend a lot of our lives. I think a lot of the time people come to me for work stuff and sometimes it's actually really about belonging. So that's a, uh, yeah, I think it's a big driver for us. Absolutely. There is a very big need to belong in human beings. And that's why there's, you know, so many communities of, of everything, like so many identities yes. as well. And like so many ways to identify not only, I'm not talking only specifically about you know, like your traits um, or your personality traits or your physical traits, but also, uh, for example, religion or mm. uh, just hobbies, for example, too. I mean, there's so many ways that you can connect with people that uh, have that you have something in common with. I think that there is something though, and this is some. I mean, I, I have mentioned this before. I guess I didn't grow up with internet. Like internet, I was <laughs> born in the early '80s, so internet for me was like when I was already a teenager, right? Yeah. Um, and it was it wasn't as it wasn't what it is today. Of course, it's, it's evolved tremendously in the past years everyone knows this and finding people before that era 
was just, I mean, people that you could connect with was just so hard. Uh, but I think nowadays it's just a lot easier because technology has completely um, erased mm -hmm. those boundaries and those even like distances. Like, like I said, you know, I have this community and I have people from all, all over the world and I feel that I'm close to them, even when I'm not physically close to them. Yeah, exactly. I it's like, it's, we've, I agree. It's like, we've gone from an era of, you know, you, you have what you have. And if you want to go meet other people, you have to physically move Mm -hmm. to an era where I think the new challenge is finding your way and saying of the many, like if you look at you know, one's newsfeed on Facebook, on Instagram or anywhere, there's such different, like even if it's just the ads you see and the opinions that you see and the ways that you can show up in the world, there's so many versions of life that you can have. And I think our new thing is navigating the different versions of yourself that are shown to you every day. Because like, if you're a little bit of a few things and you see all of them in one day, some of it can be like, am I enough of any of them? So I feel like that's how this is the new challenge, I think, for our new decade is finding our way within identities, not just saying, oh, you know, I don't belong anywhere. So I know people are now like, I belong in quite a few places, kind of. Um, and like, how do we find our way within that? That, by the way, is literally the next book I'm going to be starting writing. But, but I think it's a huge one. And I just want to comment on what you do, which is, you know, when I first started thinking about this question of being child-free, like consciously thinking of it, um, I didn't know any child-free communities. I, I think it was, I'm trying to think when I really took it seriously, was a little, maybe a bit less than gosh i'm trying to think probably like seven years ago maybe um and i just didn't know anything out there like this so i think this makes like this would have made my navigation so much easier to have communities like yours around so i love what you're doing for that reason thank you so much um yeah uh, your words mean the, the world to me because i think mm -hmm. i mean for me it's always been about connecting people um and and also like spreading awareness you know that's the most important thing you're listening to the honest uproar a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community let's talk a little bit about your decision then because i know you when you sent me an email you said that you had made this decision in your mid-30s after a lot of research and looking honestly at yourself, which sounds a lot like, what? well, not a lot, but it, it happened to me more or less at the same time. But I want to know your story because I would, <laughs> I mean, this is the one thing that I'm like, how did you decide to stay, like to just, you know, embrace a child-free lifestyle? You know, it's it's so intriguing. As you know, I was looking through your Instagram feed before we spoke and I just saw myself reflected in so many people. Um, and... I went, I would say that if you went through most of my life, I didn't want children, but I never thought of it as an option. I never considered it as an option. So I believed the narrative that I would change my mind. And I did change my mind um, because turns out, by the way, your hormones go insane, as mine did, at around 29 and 30. And I was suddenly like babies everywhere. I just wanted a baby. I was like obsessed with babies, which is weird because I actually like babies, but I was obsessed with having one anyway, which makes no sense. Um, and so for about two, one and a half to two years, I was suddenly like, I need babies. This is what I need. Luckily, I was in a relationship where the uh, my then partner 
wasn't sure that he wanted kids and that I, I think has turned out not to. And I literally, was the irony, I broke up with him because of that. And then within six months, I was like, I don't want kids. This is like, the, like, who was I for that period of time? So firstly, I just want to like acknowledge that because I think nice, maybe that doesn't get talked about as much. And it's nice we do go through these periods. Um, I'm really glad I got through it unscathed because I just don't think it would have worked out well for me. So what happened after that was I started looking back at my life aside from that slight insane phase. Um, and I realized that like when I was a little girl, I would play with my dolls because I love my dolls, but I never played with them like they were my baby. All my friends would play and say, you know, I'm the mummy. This is the baby. We're dressing the baby. And I'd be like, this is my sister. She's awesome. And I never played with a baby like ever. I never wanted to babysit kids when I was a kid. I was always really uncomfortable around other like younger children or any children who weren't my friends. I was always happier sitting at the adult table. So I'm like, at what point in my life, aside from a slightly hormonal year and a half period, um, have I ever wanted kids? And my answer was, I actually hadn't. I didn't like being around kids except one at a time <laughs> who were like, you know, very quiet and cool. And then I'd be like, you're okay. But I never enjoyed it. And so I just had to get honest with that because I, by this point I was in my sort of, I'd say around 31 and 31, 32. And I was running this story of I'll just decide later. I'll just decide later. And I started to see older friends of mine reach their forties and mid forties. Um, cause I had friends who were like over 10 years older than me, which I'm very grateful for. And I saw their fertility journeys and I was like, I need to decide soon because I don't want that. I don't want to have to, you know, I saw one friend who really did want babies and I really couldn't have them. And I was like, so sad for her. I was like, I need to decide. So what I did was I really thought about it and I thought right now I don't want kids. The only reason I'm keeping the door open is because everyone's telling me I'll regret not having kids right? Like the big thing we get told. Yeah. So I'm like, actually, yeah. You asked me, did I want them? I was like, of course I didn't, but I might regret it. Future me, I always say, take care of future you. I'm like future me might regret my choice. So here's what I did. I thought about it and I thought, well, because I'm weirdly analytical. I first thing I thought was society has already has a bias towards me having kids. So the fact that I'm already leaning towards a no means I'm putting I'm leaning against the weight of society. So number one, I should like give 2X or 4X like um, weight to my no. Because if my no is coming through, when every single message is telling me it's a yes, it's probably stronger than I give it credit for. So the first thing is I actually took myself seriously, probably for the first time. I always thought it was a phase I'd get over it. One day I'd, I'd want to have kids. So that's the first thing. The second thing was over the course of a, a couple, I think it was like a year or so, I made a point of having conversations with people who were in two different categories. Because I already heard, by the way, you know, we've all heard from our friends or people who have kids and who are really happy about it. Um, we've heard the stories. So we, I was like, I, I know the positives. I've got those. Now I want to hear the other side. So I went to two categories. I talked to people I knew who were child free and who were much older than me. Um, so I'm talking people who were in their sixties, some women I knew in their sixties, someone I spoke to, I spoke to a friend who was in her late forties, um, who, you know, had 
just being consciously child-free. And I asked them about their decisions because I was like, we don't hear these voices. Well, we didn't hear them then. And they both were basically said, best decision I ever made. And I was like, wow, we don't hear that. Like never regretted it. It's awesome. Like if this is what you want, you don't need kids to be happy. So firstly, I was like, okay, wow, it's really cool. The second group of people I spoke to were, I chose a few people who I knew, who I knew had a similar personality to me in terms of they were, so I've had, you know, suffered well, so I'd lived with anxiety, a bit of depression. Um, I identify as being a highly sensitive person, HSP. And so I thought these are the factors that lead me to not want to have kids. I get highly anxious around small children. In fact, I have, even when I was a small child, I got highly anxious around small children. Um, there's so much like uncertainty and confusion and I don't enjoy it very much. I can deal with it, but I don't enjoy it. So I went and spoke to two people who I knew one-on-one very honestly. And I set the conversation up so that they were able to be honest with me. And I just said, look, I'm really unsure. I'm just thinking I might regret not having it. What would you do in my position? And they basically were like, if you have any doubts, do not do this. Like that was, they were like, do not go for this. This is really, really, really hard. Um, And at that point I was like, wow. So my gut is saying no. (laughs) Every piece of data I am getting at this point is saying no. The only thing left is the social expectation that I say yes. And at that, that's when I was actually in a relationship at the time with someone who wanted to have kids and ended up, we ended up breaking up because it was very, very clear to me that, that actually I'll tell you the, the, the clincher moment for me was this, was I went and I thought, well, final thing, I was like, maybe I'll keep my options open. So I went to get a fertility test. And just before I got it, I remember thinking, I really hope I'm infertile. And I was like, I didn't actually even get the test in the end. I was like, I know. I was like, if I know that I hope that, I don't need a test to tell me anything, I'm done. And that was it. So that was my journey. Um, And at that point, I was like, I'm out. Um, Made it very clear to anyone I was with, dated in the future, that that was what I wanted. And yeah, that that was a few years ago. Wow. There's so much about your story that I... Also, I'm like, yep, that happened to me too. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I get it. Completely get it. Um, And I love, you know what I love about these stories? It's just like everyone has like a different journey. Um, And, but I, you know, what I particularly love about what you just told me is how you approached it in, you know, you said I'm a very analytical person and you just approached it in the way that you feel comfortable with approaching stuff, right? Just in general. So it's not like... It's not like when people make decisions just out of emotion, uh, which is usually what happens with decisions that are like personal and or relationship wise or, you know, it was like, I'm going to treat this like a real life problem. <laughs> <laughs> with real life consequences that stick around for many years. And, you know, the, the thing that helped me the most as well was actually the last relationship I was in with the person who had wanted to have kids uh-huh. was that he, I knew that he would be a great dad. And I knew that the setup that we had would be that I would be with someone who wanted to be a very active father. And the fact that even with that, I was a no, that helped a lot. Because I think if I had been 
I would have had self-doubt otherwise. I'd be like, but what if I met someone who was great and would be a really great dad? And I was like, yeah, I'm with them. And I, I just feel dread and fear about the future. That's why I, I hope that I'm infertile. Like I was like, listen to yourself, like listen yeah. to what's going on here, girl. And so I think sometimes it's like you, you need to get close to the alternative to be able to see it. Um, and, you know, realizing how much like happier my life is on the other side. I always tell people like who are on the, the fence about it. I just say, look, people often say, well, you know what it's like to live without kids, but you don't know what it's like to live with them. And I'm like, yeah, but you also don't know what it's like to have made the decision not to have them. And your life is different because at that, I wish I'd decided like five years before, right? Because from that moment, it's like, it's not like life just goes on. Well, it does obviously, but like I, you have the opportunity then. I had the opportunity to reshape my life the way I want to shape it. I was like, okay, so I'm not going to be a parent and having a responsibility for the next 18 years. What do I want from this point? What do, and already I was, you know, I was an author. I would, had an established following. I had my own business. So it wasn't like I was starting from having never thought about this, I did this professionally, but I had, I got to take it to another level. I actually ended up moving to the U S and as a result of the whole, like a whole thing, I was like, what would I do if I could do anything, which I can, I'll move to the U S. So I think that that's something that was really helped me over the years was realizing that it's not decide to have kids or just sort of float around being unsure. There's actually this huge, huge freedom that comes when you say, I am choosing to be child-free is a choice. And guess what? There's things we do. There's things you can now mold your life in a really different way. Who you're, if you, if you want to be in a relationship, right? Who you're, who you're dating, where you're putting your time, how you're planning your next five, 10 years, how you're planning your finances. It really, really changes. Um, though I don't need to tell you this, but I just want to play it out for <laughs> listeners. Right? No, but you're absolutely right. Because we get told a lot. I mean, child-free people, we get told by you know, pronatalists were asking us, or why is it you want to have kids? And the, you know, the whole conversation, the whole thing goes that we get sometimes. Um, oh my God. We get asked <laughs> things like, or said, we hear things like, oh, but you already know what it is not to have kids. You'll never oh know God. what it is to have them. And it's like, it's exactly what, I mean, I could not have put it in like in, in better words, because when you make that choice and, and that, that feeling and like we said at the beginning it all comes down to feelings that feeling of freedom and like I can breathe I can breathe because this is I mean if I could pick up one word that I've heard many childhood people say to me when they think about parenthood is as asphyxiated basically yeah like I feel I can't breathe like I I think about parenthood I think about becoming a mother I think becoming a father and I just feel like I cannot breathe um and it's just very revealing in that, like, mm -hmm. that is your, your body's physical response to something. You should be listening to that, right? That's it. That's that feeling. Like, exactly. I know as you say it, I feel it as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe when I think of that idea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, 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 I mean, of course it creates, it can create also anxiety and it can create a, a, a range of other different feelings, but it's just like, when you feel it in your body like that, like, yeah. oh my God, pair, <laughs> definitely not for me. <laughs> that is so, so just focusing on, on, on what the positive is, which is the complete opposite. You feel that when you think about becoming a parent. So how do you feel when you, you know, now that you know that you're child and you've made a decision for yourself. And even if there's 
fear or shame or anger or anything because some childhood people have uh, an easier time than others to just kind of like accept themselves and their choice, depending on, you know, your background, how you, where you grew up, uh, religion, society. There's just so many factors that come into play. Uh, but in general, they will say, oh, my God, like, I feel that this is this is what I want. Right. Uh, yeah. Because I feel active. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say because I feel at peace or I feel calm or I feel free. There's feel happy. Happy is just like everyone wants to be happy. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you have a right to that. Like you ah. have the right to make these decisions. Um, and I think that's something that I think a lot of people haven't, like don't really talk about for themselves is saying, you know, you get to make this choice. Like, and the other question I think is really helpful is, you know, sometimes when, if there's ever those feelings of, did I do it wrong or guilt, or maybe I'm going to regret this choice. Something I found really useful to remember is in the early days, I don't have that now, but in the early days is often when we're, I was thinking that I was idealizing the life with a, with a child or the most I ever wanted was one. Right. So I was like with a child, like I was idealizing that life. I was imagining exactly the child I want. Like, you know, my cousin has like the most beautiful daughter. I absolutely adore her. I love that she exists. Um, and you know, she's so pretty and awesome. And I, I was like, Oh, but like, maybe I want that. And I was like, how do you know you'd get that? Like there's a lottery and you don't get to choose which child you get. You don't get to choose their personality. You don't get to choose how they show up in the world. And just because you like a child doesn't mean you will actually really enjoy time with your child. And by the way, it's not just your child. It's other people's children will come into your world as well. And and you really hate that. So I think it really was helpful to me whenever I was in that moment of going, have I made the right choice to remember you're thinking of examples that would be the closest thing to okay for you. And you're thinking of them in small chunks, not every day. So now imagine all the other children that you've met. And I was like, never mind, I'm out. I'm not in this. Like, I'm not doing this. (laughs) So I think it just was really helpful because it's like, you know what? The reality is maybe I would have had one child and maybe I would have been happy traveling the world because like, I, I know how I would have wanted to do it. But that would have been playing a huge lottery and with who I got as my child. Right. And that's not my, no one has the right to do that to any other human, you know, especially like your child. You don't have a right to say, I will only be happy in myself and like respond in the way I want to, if they are a certain way. And the reality is that's what I needed because of my personality, because of who I am. That's why I would have needed. And I was like, I can't put that onto someone else. Like that's not fair. And so I think it's just a really cool reminder to say, Hey, you know, in our doubt moments, you're almost always idealizing. So think of every other scenario that you've known that hasn't worked for you and remember the odds of that are high. Um, And I think it's just really helpful because also when people talk to you about your choice, they're idealizing too, right? They, and what, and I think saying, I think I told you this in my email to you originally. Um, I said, I I keep a little gratitude journal. I do the five minute journal um, every morning. And one of the things I write pretty much every day, you write three things you're grateful for. And one of them is waking up in a house without children. And I literally write that down every single day. And it's funny because I'd never heard anyone say before I made that choice, you're allowed to be grateful for something you don't have. 
And I was like, I'm so grateful for silence. I am so grateful for waking up when I want to wake up. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for the life that I have. Um, and I think that's really important to remember as well. That is super powerful, actually. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing also how sometimes you uh, manage, you know, those kind of feelings that sometimes creep in or those thoughts, which, you know, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to regret it because it's true. Having a child is a gamble. You never know if your child is going to be healthy or not. You never know if that child is going to be somebody that you're going to like or if they're going to like you. There's no way to, you know, you can't order a baby a la carte you can't be like yeah. oh, i want this i want that like maybe you can engineer a beautiful baby because i think that's something that is being yeah, you probably could <laughs> and i, I think yeah. they're called like designer babies and i think that's just part of my french completely I... fucked up uh, yes i but, agree but you cannot choose their personality you don't you don't know no. if if they you know you never know and and this is the thing you know it's like people and and you're right people romanticize so much because that's what we get sold on a daily basis everywhere even like in social media parents yes never show the the, the moments i mean they're starting to doing it a little bit more now but before they never showed those bad times the moments that they want to like just drop their kid in <laughs> the next street <laughs> and like live in the park just get rid of it you cannot get rid of a kid right it's for life So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they don't show that. They just show the beautiful, beautiful, happy moments as a family, but you never know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. Um, I agree. So, and this is, this is what I've been, this is what we have been sold, but it's not the truth. So honestly, that's a really good, um, a really good tip. Yep. Exactly. And, and I swear anyone listening to your podcast, if you run the numbers, <laughs> what percentage of the time have you been like, oh my God, I want these things and I want them full time. And how much percentage of time you've been like, no, thank you. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. It's just that we remember the good ones. And we put more weight on them, um, but that doesn't mean that's the reality. So yeah, that's something I find helpful. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Marianne, I am really sad to have to let you go because you're such a great person to talk to. Thank you so much for coming on my show. It was a pleasure having you here. Um, but before I do let you go, is there anything else you would like to add to your interview? Anything at all? Uh, yeah, actually I would. Um, so I know that not everyone who is choosing to be child-free wants to be in a relationship. You know, a lot of people are consciously single, but for people who do, I would like to say something if you don't mind, um, because I got engaged last year uh, to a wonderful man over here in the US and dating just before then was really interesting <laughs> because mm -hmm. as you know, a lot of people assume that you will change your mind. And I found one of the most powerful things that I ever did was be very clear, very upfront with myself and with the other person that I did not under any circumstances want to have kids. What happened was, I mean, I started being really direct about that. I would say, a two, I'd say maybe a year and a half before I met, oh no, maybe a year and a, yeah, about a year before I met my, my fiance. And as soon as we met and we had that conversation, it was exactly the right one. So I would just say, you know, there's going to be a lot of messages. And especially if you're dating right now that are saying, oh, men don't want someone who doesn't want to have kids. And I would say, I have also heard from men, if you're in you know, heterosexual relationships, I've also heard from a lot of men who say, 
who almost don't believe you because they're like, no, I really want someone who doesn't want to have kids. I just think you'll change your mind. So I think that whatever it is and whatever you know, gender you're looking for, even if 90% of the people are reacting in a way that maybe isn't that great to it or think don't believe you, there is someone else and quite a few good someone else's who are looking for you and don't believe that you exist. So I just want to put that out there because I think that's a, a huge part of the picture that um, the first thing people often say, especially women, straight women to me when I, they talk about being child-free is, how did you meet someone? And I was like, be really intentional and really, really clear, um, I think would be the first thing. So I just wanted to put that out there, even though it's a little off topic. No, it is it is not off topic at all. And thank you so much because it is, I, I see it a lot in the community, uh, and not only for women, but also men and not only for straight people, mm. but also you know, uh, queer people. And it's just like, how do I find that partner? How do I find a childhood person? How do I find a partner that believes that I want to have children and is not going to think that I'm going to change my mind eventually. And I think it's very valid. Um, you know what you're saying? I think it's, it's very appropriate as well to this conversation because being intentional is everything. And if being child free is what you want, what you have chosen for your life, then you will also, you know, put those boundaries in terms of being in a relationship is like, doesn't mean that because I love you, I'm going to have a kid for you because I'm more, more Absolutely. important. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love that. Wow. Well, it's been really a pleasure to have you here. So um, if anyone uh, firecrackers that you're listening to this episode, I'm going to leave you Marianne's uh, website uh, in the description so you can just click Thank the you. link and visit it and i'm also going to leave you her instagram uh and facebook so you can go and follow her uh, thank you so much again for being here it was a pleasure having you thank you so much this was fun thank you for listening to the honest uproar a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community we hope you tune in next week for our newest episode and since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.